In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator? Or not. Uh, my party is going bat crazy. Yeah! You're the pop- Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! Hello and welcome to the Sup Daily Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And the Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the crazy shit that's going on in the news. Caitlin, how are you? Well, I'm... I'm still on this plane of reality, I feel like. So that's a win. That's uh, no alternate yeah. universes, no splintered timelines. Uh, maybe I should, but you know, we're still here. Do you, I wonder what alternate universe us is doing right now. Oh man, I really hope she's drinking something. That's what. <laughs> surrounded by friends just I'm hugging sorry. all of them i'm in a line and i'm just hugging every friend how <laughs> <laughs> oh, about you uh, how is how is your your reality going my reality is um you know it's interesting because it's like being engaged on the global level about everything. And then also my fiance and I have just decided that we are moving and we are going to move to a different apartment because um, this apartment has, has uh, sort of imploded in on itself and we can no longer remain here. So now I'm going to move in the pandemic and um, that's going to be an experience that oh I have. Oh my God. No. I know. We'll see. Well, we found an apartment, so that's nice. On the upside, it would be a great story to tell people when <laughs> this is all over. Be like, remember when yes. we were all like dying and like well, I managed to move during that. Like, was already <laughs> terrible yeah. unto itself, but then you were like, I'm basically a superhuman. I, yeah, exactly. I moved in the pandemic. I can take on anything. <laughs> oh, also, I should announce on the podcast that I got my COVID test. I took yes. a COVID test. I got. I took an antibody test, and the results. Drum roll, please. I do not have COVID, and I have never had COVID. So all my bullshit about my flu in February was wrong. <laughs> I um I felt that I had to come forward on the podcast and let you guys know the thrilling conclusion of my illness in February, which is that it was just the flu. All right. So the test was easy though. The the nose swab feels weird, but it's only like it's less than a second long. Okay. Well that that is really that's really reassuring because I did see that Chrissy Teigen video and I was like, oh wow. That is a lot up my nose. That's it. 
It was honestly, I was scared because I've seen all the like diagrams of how far it goes up your nose. It definitely feels like something's far up your nose, but it's truly like it lasts. It's so short. It's it's so, so, so short of an amount of time. It's like blink and you miss it. Okay. The thing is, though, I did immediately after taking my test walk into a protest and then march with the protesters for like many, many blocks. So I just immediately exposed myself to COVID again in a massive way. <laughs> like the second I took my test. Well, if you were wearing a mask, so, you you were in, I was. in great shape. Uh, so now everyone stay safe while we try to make the world better. Yes, and if you've been protesting and you have access to getting tests, definitely get a test. It really it took it took one second. I did it via city MD in New York. Just walked in. I mean, my city MD the line was kind of long, but I've heard other ones it's not the same. Speaking of long lines, Caitlin. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about primary election. <laughs> Shall we get into the headlines of the day? Um Several states held primary elections yesterday, including Georgia, where there were just uh, a laundry list of issues. Now states are, state officials are calling for an investigation. Uh, to break it down a little bit, a new voting system that they spent over $100 million on basically glitched out during the rollout. Um, People were waiting up to five hours to cast their vote yesterday. I, I don't know if you saw these videos of, like, like drone shots of how long the lines were. Absolutely. Completely horrendous. Cra it, was, it was crazy. So the system cost over $104 million, or It cost $104 million, And most election officials were trained on the equipment virtually instead of in person because of the pandemic. Um, we can see how that worked out. Um, so the voting machine started to malfunction. Lines extended. Uh, people were voting still until 10 p.m. Uh, also, because of the pandemic, 10% of the state's precincts were forced to close. So that was also that there were less polling places in general. A lot of poll workers didn't show up because they were elderly or chose to stay home. Maybe they're immunocompromised. Maybe they just don't want to run a polling location in a pandemic. There's a lot of reasons why people wouldn't want to do that. Very reasonable. <laughs> um, at one point, state reps uh, were actually trying to recruit poll workers via Twitter, which is wild. Um, more than a million people cast absentee ballots, causing such a strain on the system that some people had to go vote in person anyway. So they wanted to cast an absentee ballot, but they weren't able to get it in time or it never got to them because the system was so overloaded. Um, but of course, uh, black areas in Georgia were disproportionately affected by all of this. Fulton and DeKalb counties saw higher numbers of poll location close closures and Atlanta falls between these two counties. So yeah, um, it's just a pretty clear indication of uh, voter suppression. I would say people were out in the hot Georgia sun. It was 90 degrees yesterday for five hours. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and Georgia has had issues around voting before. Um, we, in fact, 2018, famously, um, <laughs> Brian Kemp, governor of, current governor of Georgia, was secretary of state at the time. He was in charge of the voting system. He was running for governor. 
and uh, against Stacey Abrams, um, now a very notable figure, possible, possibly on the shortlist for VP. And yes, she she basically lost by like a sliver of a percent <laughs> against Brian Kemp to the point where like at the time that they were counting ballots, it's like they were one. It was like very very close between the two of them. And uh, somehow, he yeah, I remember. Um, I remember back at that time, like, like waiting, waiting, waiting for the Stacey Abrams result, and she was fighting it, obviously, because there was a lot of shady stuff that happened. And personally, if you were to ask me, I would say that Stacey Abrams is the rightful governor of the state of Georgia today. I would so. concur with that. Um, just because, especially because, um, in Georgia, there were so many problems. At one point, I think that the, the FBI actually took the entire server where all the voter information had been kept because it had been tampered with. And like that was to do forensics on it. And then they tried to wipe it before the FBI could get there. I remember that very, very specifically being like, <laughs> um, what's like a problem? <laughs> um, so yeah, they this this happened before. Uh, ballots were rejected over exact exact match standard for for signatures. Um, the tactics disproportionately affected. Surprise, surprise! Black people in Georgia. Who could have imagined? Um, there are going to be two seats up in November. Uh, Senate seats. Uh, so both of their senators are up for re-election at the same time. One of them belongs to Kelly Loeffler, who's appointed the mm. seat. Uh, and recently, the only reason you might know her name is because uh, she uh, was used information about the pandemic to possibly enrich herself uh, before it was public <laughs> publicly available, which is the definition of a crime, actually. It's literally illegal. Um, yeah, and I feel like it's really important to note that she did this maybe month two on the job. Yes. Like she became like she was corrupt immediately. Immediately. Get new job, commit corrupt acts, violate the law. You know, it's like very normal steps, like learn where the coffee is. <laughs> Inside your trade. Enrich yourself. <laughs> right yeah. on the center of your it's like Figuring out where the capital's you know, bathroom is and everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who knows what about coronavirus so that you can sell your stocks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And don't forget that your husband is also the head of a stock exchange, so just make that happen too. <laughs> Here's what I will say in Kelly's defense. Incredible blowout. I mean, beautiful, long, flowing blowout on Kelly Loeffler. You got to find out what her conditioner is, which, you know, maybe yeah. someone could ask that while she's like under oath for doing testimony. You know, what's that horse shampoo mane and tail? I feel like she's got, <laughs> it's beautiful hair. It's beautiful hair. Absolutely. Stunning. She's committed many crimes. Gorgeous hair. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click 
gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. We also want to note that Georgia is also one of only four states in the country without a hate crime law. I want Which to know what just... the entire list looks like because I suspect <laughs> I suspect very strongly <laughs> that there will be certain places that will show up on that list. Um, I know. It's like I don't want to throw people under the bus and just throw names out, but I feel like I could draft a list and get a couple right on yeah. who else ha- yeah. doesn't have a hate crime law. Uh, the State House has already passed legislation in response to Ahmaud Arbery's murder that would change that. So if you are listening and you live in Georgia, please call your state senator and tell them uh, to get their shit together <laughs> for the election and to prosecute crimes as a hate crime. Maybe call your senator and say that you think uh, it would be good to make hate crimes a hate crime in your state. Yeah, especially especially uh, considering, like, again, Georgia. That's, that is where MLK is from. Um, Feels, feels like it really needs a hate crime statute. So, um, and, and while we're getting into to reform and, and statutes, uh, Senate Republicans are working on their counter legislation to Democratic legislation for police reform. Uh, basically, it would be, a, it's a task force headed up by their party's lone black senator, Tim Scott. Uh, the proposed act would focus on issues of reporting, accountability, training, and community relations. 
Um, it doesn't, it will, it, it basically nibbles at the edges. It's not going to do very much. Um, that should not surprise anyone. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, the, the Democratic version obviously is a little bit more in depth, although, you know, there still continues to be a lot of discussion and activism around what tactics and what legislation will be most effective um, in handling the, the issues um, with police violence. Yeah, I know that um, the Democrats' version does more, look more seriously at funding, but obviously there's a huge movement at this point around like defunding and or abolishing the police force in general. So I just, I feel like a lot of the activists on this are not feeling like either goes far enough. Yeah. And I, th I think that like, that's, it's one of those things where you, the question is like, what is the problem? And I'm like a huge fan of thinking about politics as like problem solving instead of like a, like Game of Thrones personality base, like who should be on the throne? Um, <laughs> you know, like, like wait, I feel like we don't have a monarchy anyway. Um, so it, you know, like don't get me wrong, I love direwolves and everything, but it shouldn't be about who has like the coolest symbol and the most honorable house. Mm -hmm. um, it should really be about like who's going to solve problems and. Uh, I mean, the question is, like, does either party really get close to solving this problem? You know, that really comes down to, I mean, I don't think Republicans even care about it. To be completely honest, they feel like they're, they're just putting something up because they feel like they need to, and they just need political cover to continue maintaining things as they are. I mean, the, the head of the party has more or less said, like, yeah, attack 75-year-old men because they could be Antifa. So, and then yes. like, so the party was just like, we didn't even hear him. We don't even pay attention to the things that the president of the United States says. Not a thing. I know. <laughs> don't ask me questions. <laughs> well, that was the Paul Ryan defense forever is they'd be like, hey, what do you think about this? And he's like, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I haven't. It's so I weird. don't. I don't follow politics, really, so. <laughs> it's, I, I love how they just like openly admit to not doing their jobs where there's like, I am incompetent. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to pay attention to things that our presidential nominee or president says, even though he's of our party and he's supposed to lead the direction on all these things. I weirdly just don't even notice. Wait, who's president? Right? Crazy. It's like if if I can keep up with my various Slack channels, you can know what Trump is saying. Yeah. <laughs> like on Twitter. So yeah, there's there's no surprise. It's it's basically political cover. Um, I do love that they had like Tim Scott go do this. That's like a for me as a black Democrat, like really darkly hilarious. Um, you know, like Tim, whatever. Where is Tim Scott from? South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay, he, got he it. is the junior senator from South Carolina. So he's Lindsay's. He's paired up with Lindsey Graham. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. And how fun that must be for the both of them. You know, <laughs> what a I joyful just, time that must be. I just remember Tim Scott basically saying, like, there were too many people ahead of him in the Democratic structure 
So he switched to being a Republican. And that kind of gives you the entire sense of like what he's, his focus is in politics. <laughs> <laughs> like I could be a Democrat, but look at all the people who would get to be in office before me. Never mind. <laughs> Might as well join party where I can have power. Like, oh, okay. Well, that's a great fit. Um, but he, yep. he also did a lot of work on the anti-lynching bill with, mm-hmm. um, with senators, uh, uh, Harris and Booker, so which has been held up by Rand Paul. So I, I'm sure that Tim has had a lot of great discussions with his fellow Republicans around that, um, right? Tackling all of those things, I think. Like, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of. <laughs> it's a lot to process. <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah, it 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 really certainly is, and I do. Um, I know that you wanted to talk about burnout and the feeling of just trying of being like staying active and activism while and like being in your activism while also feeling a bit overwhelmed by the amount of information and energy and emotional output that is required. Yeah. Yeah. So like one of the coolest things about this moment, I think, um, has been kind of seeing how many people have gotten engaged who previously like were not present in a lot of these these places, which is not like necessarily like a bad thing, but like seeing people get active and decide that like things have to change is so exciting. Um, one of the things that I think, I mean, a lot of the major conversations that's been happening among a lot of of black people, to be honest, is like, oh, is this going to disappear? <laughs> there have been like multiple different people being like, y'all are going to be here, right? In another like yeah. month. <laughs> and uh, so I was kind of getting into, I kind of wanted to talk about like what it is to, because like a lot of that has to do with like pacing, like not pacing yourself for long-term activism. Another thing is, is like, you know, recognizing that this is not like a, you get a win and then the win is over. You know, I think there's a, a desire to kind of have like these, these sweeping stories of victory. Um, like the help has become like a thing that like people oh. are watching on Netflix and I'm just here <laughs> and being like, no, <laughs> no, that is, that is not, that is, that is not something you should be watching. <laughs> I understand I understand where, where the impulse comes from. And you're like, well, this is good. Or like maybe some people are watching Green Book. This also very deeply bothers me. Um, and it's not, it's not necessarily, it's because like it gives this really pat view of racism as a thing that just like some particular evil people did, but then other good people, overwhelmingly white people in the story are the ones who are driving racial progress, which yeah. sounds kind of, Spooky when you think about the fact that the the maids' lives did not meaningfully improve. They didn't get to move forward in any any way. They just got to not be treated horribly, which yeah, which is not actually a victory. I just like to be clear. That's, that's well, they got to make the poop pie. That is true. I <laughs> there there have been times in my life when I've wondered if I could convince it. Like, wouldn't it be great to like have some racist people eat my shit that would be incredible (laughs) that is really like honestly if you want to watch the help in this time really just focus in on the poop pie and movie until she speeds her that pie (laughs) yeah that is is the number one thing most important takeaway from the help 
No. Um, Racists eat shit is the big takeaway from the film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, it also gives, like, this... It's a story, right, that, like, ends on a high note, even though, like, we know that the 1960s didn't end with, like, oh, and then we... we Racism ended, and for some inexplicable reason, this has been, like, a very common thing. Um, and it's a very common mindset because it's very exhausting to think about, like, and then you do this the rest of your life, and then sometimes you don't win ever. And you're like, that's a <laughs> terrible story. I don't want to be part of that. Like, why would I want to be involved in doing something for the rest of my life, and then it doesn't, it doesn't work? Like, I don't get to see it work. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> it's unfun but as someone who's been kind of processing i literally don't remember life without racism like i i started watching civil rights documentaries at three um and it's kind of funny and ironic in that part because my dad actually was three years old um when well he was three years old when kennedy was shot and he was three years old uh in during the civil rights movement um and they're literally one of the most famous events in the civil rights movement was the, the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham. Uh, and it killed four, four children. It killed four girls. Um, and that was what was happening when my dad was three. Like, whenever, he always reminds me, like, Caitlin, like, you know how you feel tired sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> like, I was like, that's a good point, um, where, so, so I, I think about it that way, like I, black, a lot of black kids didn't have the option to like tag out from racism from a young age. So we've been doing this for a really long time. And I would say like one of the first things that you have to get used to is the, is like, first of all, pacing yourself and not like thinking like, okay, we're going to achieve this and this will fix something. It's, it's about seeing the whole scope of the problem. And I know I've said it before, but, like, anything that took this long to build is going to take almost as long to deconstruct. And you, unless you're willing to make, like, very large sacrifices very quickly, which I don't think anyone can, or, frankly, I don't think it's possible. I don't know if yeah. it's going to be in there, but, like, I don't think that you're going to be able to under, undo 400 years of systemic racism, you guys, in one summer. It's not happening. <laughs> I feel like time is just an essential component. Like, like one of the things I've been thinking about as like, like, I don't know, like online, like reckonings have come for all these different people and all this stuff. And people are speaking up is like, sometimes the punishment for your past racism is that you like, you just have to do the time. Like you have to just face the criticism for as long as it comes to you. Like I've just been seeing a lot of white people get called out and then they're so anxious to fix it immediately. And it's like, no, actually part of the penance of this is that you sit with this and it sucks and it's a part of your life and you feel bad now. Like, and you have to, you have to, you have to feel bad. You can't just do a part of this where it's like you apologize and the apology is so good that you don't have to do the part where you feel like you atone for it in your actual life. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's so perfectly said because a huge, a huge chunk of it is really basically kind of like setting yourself out to accept that 
there were consequ there are consequences that are much bigger than saying sorry. Um, and I mean, I think there are times like when you might have said something like randomly and like, I think that someone who's dragging you for, for like a moment when you made a mistake is, you know, yeah, sorry, should fix that. But like, there are things that are much bigger. Yes. Try to touch someone's hair. That's a whole mindset that you have to constantly deconstruct. And one of the things that I was going to say about like, staying vigilant and, and staying focused is, is really focusing on yourself and what you can do without necessarily making it always about like, okay, well, here's the big problem. Like, okay, sometimes you're going to have to bring it back to pace yourself out to like, okay, what can I do today? Like what are some behaviors that I have? Behaviors and interactions and everything like that. That's a really great way of pacing yourself. Deciding to just read black authors just getting into that history. There's so much history about mm -hmm. black people in this country that has not been shared. You, there are literally years worth of, of things. And here's the crazy thing. Black people also don't know this history. It is that deep that like it was really buried. And so some of us have oral histories and some of us know stories from our parents and some of us, you know, there are things that are passed down. There, there are little there are books and other things that aren't as aren't as visible that we know about, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like all of this knowledge is super readily available. So taking the time to say sometimes, well, I can't make it out to a March or I can't do this. Let me actually spend some time like trying to figure out like, how did this happen? You know, if you're thinking about like a problem, it's not just like, okay, I'm going to go out. I'm going to, talk about it, I'm going to vote on it, I'm going to, you know, yell about it. It's also about, like, I'm going to educate myself about how this came to be, so that way I can figure out best how to dismantle it. Because it's, this is like the Ikea furniture of racism here. It's going to take some, some time to put together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like... There, what? Just when you think you've got it, there's another piece, and you realize you didn't put yeah. it in, so you got to take the whole thing apart again. <laughs> like, I mean, Svalbard is just messing up that that racism right there. You're just one, like, oh man, I thought I had it. One hundred percent. I've been um, my a, a friend of mine who's a really funny comedian, Zwei Fumido, posted. She posted, like, uh, it was, like, screen grabs of a Now This post about just how long, like, certain parts of the civil rights movement, like, like the Montgomery bus boycott was 365 days. Like, how long these things actually lasted? Because I think that, like, right now we're also trying to build, like, a movement in this, like, digital world where people are so used to instant gratification. And I think it's hard for them, for people to like, I, I think people are having a hard time doing the work that you're talking about of like, okay, I'm just going to read a book or I'm going to read an article. Or I'm going to do something today. My, my little Wikipedia rabbit hole is actually going to be focused on like social justice instead of like whatever other weird thing I decide to research every day. <laughs> my ex my has a fascinating history. <laughs> I mean, literally, I've gone down so many Wikipedia rabbit holes in my life. I know everyone listening has, so, like, you can do one about some sort of topic in Black history. 
you have the space. But I feel like people people want to be posting people love like doing the marches and stuff. Cause it's like, I can post a picture of myself at a March and now everyone will know that I'm at the March and they'll know that I'm here and they'll know that I'm out. And what we really need to be moving into also is like, okay, but what's the stuff that I'm actually doing privately that isn't really about posting. It's just about like enriching myself, uh, making myself more knowledgeable. Yeah. And it's also about really interrogating how you fit into the system and you won't realize what your actions are doing until you're like looking at the bigger picture. And I think that this, that's something all of us need to do. But I will be honest, as a black person, I've been doing like, yeah, black people have been grappling this for a very long time. <laughs> you're in many ways, a lot of people are trying to pay catch up. It is the most important thing you can do is grapple with the reality of racism in your life. Because I assure you, there has been racism. Either uh, everyone participates in it, everyone. And I want to be clear that, like, I participated in racism. Like, we all are implicated in it. Our society is implicated in it. There's no one who's going to get a get-out-of-racism-free card. Until, you know, you can start at step one, and that's really, like, not creating harm and there are a lot of people who are very obviously being like okay i'm i'm not gonna hurt people and that is that is great but that is like level one you are not moving the ball forward if you're willing to and and it's not a bad place to be we could all stand to be at level one but some people need to be moving to level two which is interrogating (laughs) themselves (laughs) level three which is like externalizing their internal interrogation and figuring out ways to actively make the world different and i think one of the things that really has to be considered is that like these inequalities have been going on for generations so the gap gets bigger the further back you look there are things that people have access to that like a lot of uh uh, black peers do not um and one of the things that struck me as i was you know you're going through public i was like looking through links about publishing and this and that and there's so many people who like like Roxanne Gay, I think, had uh, posted her numbers for like her advances. And this random white lady who was like, I had, I'm a random white lady with a viral, <laughs> viral tweet or something. And they gave me twice as much as they gave Roxanne Gay. I was That's like, insane. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> for hunger i just want to be clear she got she got more than twice of what she got like four times what roxanne gay got for hunger <laughs> just that's insane want to be clear about that. you've never heard of this lady like i cannot remember her name she is a completely random lady with a viral tweet but she got an advance four times larger than what roxanne gay got after she had already written bad feminist i just want to be clear about that she'd already written a best-selling book already written i mean it's so it's crazy that's the situation we're talking about here and i want to be clear roxanne gay is extremely privileged she went to exeter she's like she went to private school she she's never worried about making rent like she she's more or less like well to do as a black person the black racial wealth gap is like crazy it's like 10 to 1 or something most people don't have that opportunity mm-hmm. and she's still got screwed on her numbers even though she has a master's degree in writing she insane she advanced degrees in the thing that she does and she still got less money than this random white lady with a viral tweet or something that's kind of crazy and like yeah that's i mean that's the, that's the secret 
Yeah, and it's been interesting because I've been seeing like there's been a movement online to start talking about how much you got paid so that we can see who's being screwed in this way and like all of this stuff can come to light. But I then started seeing more tweets where it's like, well, it's great that other people of color and women are participating in this, but we really need men to announce. <laughs> we need white men to step up and announce what they're making so that we can really see what this is because it's like that's a that's a random white woman who got more money than Roxanne Gay. I wonder what a random white man would have get would get. Yeah. In like in comparison to Roxanne Gay, it's probably even more egregious. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk about power gaps and all these other things. I think like in order to to keep yourself from burning out, it's about settling back and kind of remembering that the process is really long and what you're aiming to do is to build equality. And that means like, it's a very scary thing, but it, it does mean that like, you'll be evaluated on the work that you do in the world, how much you put out and, and the kind of space that you interact with. And I think one of the most important things is to re recognize that we're also trying to build like a floor where people can't fall below. So that way equality starting from that floor is really, really a baseline to give everybody a chance. So like the worst case scenario isn't going to destroy anybody. And we've been very comfortable kind of taking advantage of people in the system right now. And we've been seeing people who haven't been given credit for the work that they do. And as we look forward and like try to figure out like how can we do this, it's like recognizing like that's a really big task. It's going to take like millions of people all individually doing the work confronting other white people is great that's that's awesome in fact confronting people around anti-blackness regardless of their background is great i confronted my own anti-blackness there's plenty of it like i know that sounds crazy but like yes it is true all of us are implicated in these systems so we're all doing work yeah i mean i'm looking at like my Cuban community and stuff, like white Cuban people have a lot of work to do with anti-blackness as well. Um, and I know that's just been a conversation in the Latinx community of like, we got to do better in a major way on that as well. So I think that's a really good kind of place for us to wrap up for today and kind of leave people with those thoughts. Where, where shall we go from here? I'm sure we'll continue talking about that on the pod. Um, and until the end of whatever, <laughs> I think we're already there, but we're still doing the pod. Uh, I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Berg. And this is in the Betcha Sup Podcast. The Betcha Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Bernie Levine. The SUP is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to SUP at Betches.com. Betches.